Welcome to another episode of um, Smart Home Stupid People. I'm not sure if you can actually hear me because the microphone doesn't seem to come through. So, <laughs> um, yeah, well, in any case, today's topic is graduating kindergarten. And I'm not sure if I'm actually, if people yeah. can hear me. All right, guys. So I'm here. Sorry, I just had something in my eye and okay. I had to run out and try to get it out of my eye. <laughs> so let me uh, bring... Right now, hello Podbean. We are also live for you guys as well. Ah, oh, okay. So now people can hear us. Now people can hear us exactly one thing at a time. So hello everybody. Today we are talking about graduating kindergarten. It's a very cool topic. It's something that I started thinking about a couple of weeks ago, and I'll just kind of break it down. Fuck, I still have that thing in my eye. I might have to go back and take care of that. Okay. Yeah, I can give a little introduction too. Yeah. Can you do that? <laughs> I'll be right back. All right. I'll be right back. <laughs> All right. So graduating kindergarten seems to be an easy task, you know, especially specifically if you're already graduated from high school or even further university or a PhD. <laughs> But if you look closer, this is actually something that most of people, I think, haven't done so far, that they're still in the kindergarten. And I'm sure if you look at your environment and your family, at your workplace or with friends, that you sometimes have the feeling that you are actually not, you know, have adults in front of you, but children in, in adult form. <laughs> and then they have childish behavior, arguing about stuff and just bringing up a lot of drama. And I think this is what happens if people come together because we're mirroring each other a lot. We are engaging in our behaviors and then you really can see What a, what a person experienced in their life so far and what are their their dramas and what are their habits actually to 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 be with other people and what kind of things come out of them automatically without them even knowing and realizing. And I think the more and more people become conscious about their own behavior and also the behavior of others, you can actually see how how many programs we have running underneath the surface that are actually leading our behavior in everyday life. And those programs are usually, or I think most of them come from our childhood where we start coping with, you know, our environment in order to survive. It was essential for us to, mm -hmm. to be not thrown out of our group because we were depending uh, from, you know, of our parents or siblings to, to uh, get food from them and shelter and warmth and all that and love. But once we, we grown up, these, these coping mechanisms and these protection systems and behaviors are still there and now actually are not to our advantage anymore, but more to the opposite. And it's not about our survival anymore. We can take care of ourselves because we're adults, but yet we still have these behaviors going on. Yeah, I'm just going to close the door. Okay. <laughs> we're, we, we're getting ready here, so <laughs> yeah. Okay, everybody. So, hello. Did, you, am... did you listen a little bit? What I, I did, I did. Ah, okay. it, was, it was very well put together. Thank you. Um, I want to elaborate on that because that's where we're kind of going from today. I think that's the baseline of what we're working from. The idea that I'm focusing on today is that... Um, Think of it like this. I, it actually came to me because I was working on a job site and you also were working at work 
and um, you in, you had like an interaction with somebody and it was very difficult to finish your job because of it. And it, the same thing mm. happened to me as well. Is I kind of, I ran into someone and it became a hindrance in the sense that um, I had to really take into account his issues in order to get past it and keep going because yep. these, and these issues from what I reckon are, as you mentioned, these are things that he picked up along the way. Yeah. Right? These are base programs that are running in most cases very unconsciously. Yeah. Right. And because it's so unconscious, it's so very difficult for the, for a lot of people. Like we all have it, you know, I'm not excluding yeah. myself from this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the, the, the reason why I want to focus on that today is maybe to try and show that um, a lot of people are are creatures of habit, mm-hmm. right? And I want to talk about different types of people that I find I run into more and more today. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to kind of, you know, work on my own life and, and get through my own stuff, mm-hmm. right? And um, I want to kind of also talk about this Lessing Prophecy bit today because mm-hmm. it was a really important book for me, I think, when I was younger in the 90s. And it also puts, I think, a really good grammar or very good vocabulary onto what we're talking about. It also illustrates a really nice picture Mm -hmm. in order to kind of show um, a concept, a really interesting idea. I mean, there are actual spiritual communities that have evolved from this book alone pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, maybe for those who've never heard about it, maybe can, you know, just briefly. I will. I will get into it. I I don't want to jump into it in the beginning. I want to get into it more in the second half. Yeah. And in the first half, I'd like, I'd like to talk about the idea of just, you know, how, as, as the title says, you know, graduating kindergarten, I'd like to think of the world that we live in, um, the realm that we live in is really kindergarten, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and the only way, and most of us, when we die, like I've been around a couple of people who are about 90 mm-hmm. plus and on yeah. their deathbed and they're just on their way out. And I can tell that they're still not ready to start learning you know, like they're still in the kindergarten phase, just still trying to figure out yeah. how to deal with people and to deal with their own thoughts and their own inter- internal struggles. Mm. And they died with that. And I would say yeah. that, you know, from my experience, most people I've seen die with that. Most people never yeah. get out of kindergarten and are ready to actually learn. Yeah. Right. Some people never, never figure it out yeah. <laughs> yeah. or, or discover that, you know, these behaviors are not what you are. You might have picked them up on the way, but you can also let let go of them. There? It's okay. I'm yeah. going to get a bottle of water. Why don't All you right. talk for a second? I'll be right back. Yeah. So maybe I think you just said that, you know, you have a couple of types that, or people of type, people types. That we, we will go through and give you some examples what we actually talk about and what kind of behaviors we mean. But I'm sure if you think about, again, your own environment maybe you have been in a situation where you really felt like you know that conversation doesn't go anywhere you're just dealing with dramas and there is no way for you to to um get the work actually done but it's more about the whole people are in the team you know their their needs and all that but but not the the actual work and and the actual aim people came together so it's more about Figuring the drama uh, out, the dramas of other people in order to Absolutely. work with them, than Absolutely. actually the task itself, which would have been you know been done in ten minutes, yeah. but takes a whole day because everyone has to tell what they think yeah. about and how to do it right. And um, maybe one little example from my work team: we have not a like our team is pretty small, like we have five to six people sometimes, mm-hmm. but 
there is one particular particular person I can see that she had gone through a lot of trauma in her childhood, um, being like a like a woman with migration backgrounds, growing up in Berlin, and she felt in that victim mode so badly yeah. that she she identifies herself with always being the victim. Everyone is always against her, and that is so burned into her brain and into her behavior that whatever you say she always takes it the wrong way (laughs) always thinks that that you want to you know hurt her that you are mad with her anything like that and it's not possible sometimes to have a normal conversation with her because she is so much in her own world and i think this is yeah pain almost yeah it is a pain and it's it's painful for me two ways first of all to see that she lives a life like that because i mean i I can't imagine how that must be always always have that victim energy to her and and always just you know not being happy but always also angry with the world but on the other side i am actually um you know i i feel for her um to to see that but also it's painful for me because again you know I'm a very happy person. I don't want to hurt anyone. <laughs> Just, but I'm also telling the truth about some some things, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you you try to have a real conversation, but you. Or sometimes I just feel like whatever I say, it's wrong. So I might just not just interact with that person. Well, it's interesting for me, you know. Um, like I immigrated to Germany as well, right? Yeah. I, though I have German background. Yeah. It, it. I still had to go through the culture shock. I still had to. <laughs> Uh, you know, figure out the different dramas of people over here yeah. in order to um, get along with them. You know, mm-hmm. I think that, that that goes hand in hand with um, learning and becoming a part of another culture is, is trying to figure out how they tick. You know, there are certain mm-hmm. things that just um, are polite here where I come from is not polite and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes true. it's just a little it's thing. Like, you know, you're, you're allowed to, like here they blow their nose at the table and it's not a, th- it's not a problem. <laughs> you do that in, in North America and it's, it's, it's weird. It's, ta- yeah. it's taboo. You know, do it in Japan, it's even worse. I had that to find <laughs> in Japan actually. <laughs> yeah. And so what I'm saying yeah. is, is that these are small examples of, yeah, uh, but of this, more yeah. of the cultural elements That's perhaps. That's more, more cultural elements. But what I, what I'm trying to say is that I, I know what it's like to come to a place and to try and fit in. Mm. Um, and it's not necessarily something that's intuitive either. Yeah. And, and so a lot of it had to do with me in the sense that I had to let go of a lot of things that I would take personally. I had to let a lot of that go. And it was a really good mechanism for me to grow because I had to reset myself, so to say. Mm-hmm. And I also really had to pay attention to other people and what their issues were. Yeah. Because if I'm if I'm talking to someone and I can see that if I say something and they take it the wrong way, there's a reason for it. Yeah, there, there are cultural differences, mm-hmm. but outside of the cultural differences, there are also um, different amounts of programming or, or, or dramas mm-hmm. that we've instilled into ourselves at a very, very young age. Well, I think it's actually a very complicated topic and also system system to figure out. You know, you can just say, well, just leave them alone, you know, don't interact with people who are childish and then all that. But yeah, we're living in a society. You always have to deal mm-hmm. with people who are, you know, maybe not, not willing to look at their own stuff to figure it out and have a personal growth to them, mm-hmm. but only, always, always keep to their 
habits, as you say, the creature of habits. And mm -hmm. I think, yeah, from these people, you, you can start walk away. But like, for example, in a relationship, if both people are committed for personal growing, then you can on the way figure out your dramas. And it's actually fun to learn and to see where your, yours come from, yeah. what's with the other guy. And then you yeah. can grow and you can really let them piece by piece let go and see you know and you can heal from that I, so I, i think there is a big uh there is a big gift in it as well yeah i i, I completely agree presence, with yeah. you on a <laughs> on a personal level yeah right on a personal level i think that's actually quite easy and it's it's, it's very simple <laughs> it's very complicated when it's not personal when you're in a work environment when you're in a formal yeah. environment yeah it's true. and you and and as you mentioned you know you just yeah. want to get a job done but now it's like you have to as we say Tip show on tiptoe on eggshells in order to get past this person, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. every time you walk past her, you know something triggers her, and then you have to deal with it. And, and yeah. it's funny. So I'm going to give off a couple little examples and tell me what you think of them because okay. there's something that I, these are examples directly from my work that are very yeah. related to um, the type of people I've had to deal with, right? And I'll kind of explain <laughs> how I deal with them and see how you deal with these types of people or if you really acknowledge them. I think it's a very <laughs> I'm, uh, I have absolutely the avoiding uh, tactic. <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm just leaving. Well, this goes to <laughs> this, this, this comes back to something I've talked about in the past, and this is this passive aggressiveness that yep. I find to be very strong in Germany. It's true. That it's a lot of people German. don't deal with these things. Then you they know? go home and complain about that person behind their backs, which I used to do. I actually, you know, I, I, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I admit that, but I got better on that level. Also, having actually that courage to stand up for myself and say, you know what, I don't, I didn't like that. I didn't mm. like the way you said it. So I really try to change that habit. Things, but that was absolutely yeah. something I picked up on in my childhood. Yeah. That was the easiest way for me to just go out of the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And now that you're in a position of uh, leadership, you you kind of have to do these things. You can't yeah, always can't just set go it out of the way. Exactly. You yeah. can't easily put it out of the way because uh, eventually it'll come back at you. That's the other thing. I think life will always throw you in a position where you eventually have to deal with these things that, you know, you, mm -hmm. you have to look at your uh, tactics, whether it's avoiding or over aggressive. That's also not, not so good, I think. Yeah. And then figure out a way where, you know, things are very authentic and actually bring, bring some healing and, right. and, and, uh, yeah. Well. Right. So, um, I'm going to start off by talking about, um, a couple types of people. As I mentioned, the first one I wanted to bring to the table is the logical person. Now, the logical person is somebody who has suppressed emotion to the point where there's not a lot left, you know, uh, meaning that if you if you have something that's creative mm. <laughs> out of the box, it's it's very, very difficult for it to work with a logical person, mm -hmm. like someone who's only able to see logic. We're yeah. on the other side. There are some logical people I know who are open. They just know their limits. And, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and in that case, they can be a very great asset to your team. Because yeah. sometimes it's really good to bounce something off of them yeah. to see if if it if it, if it fits, you know, in, mm. in, in a logical perspective. To, yeah. To put it yeah, that yeah. way. Um, I, yeah. And I think that a lot of logical people, um, they're very robotic. And mm. and so the, the what tends to happen is... Um, They can also take things very personally. The reason for this is because to them, they see their they only see one solution. And if mm -hmm. you don't see it, it's as if there's something wrong with them. And this yeah. this is now very interesting because yeah. the logical person doesn't have the ability to understand his emotional um hindrance. 
mm-hmm. which is creating the logical uh, uh, boundary in which yeah. he, in which he chooses to exist. Well, I think the the root problem with that is in general, if you start identifying yourself with something, and these people identify with their logic, you know, with their mm-hmm. with their mind, with their brain, with their thinking, and so. That's all they know. I used to be someone like that. I, I was very logical for a right. lot of time in my life. To a flaw. Huh? Logical to a flaw. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I was overthinking everything and there was no room for intuition or, you know, like feeling or anything like that. And that's the other thing. These people or you know, I, I'm just saying an average or there is no generalization on that level. There's always, you know, the, the grayscale. But if you just would it, put it into a type that people are very logical they kind of really cut themselves off from their emotion from their body mm-hmm. um, so usually they don't maybe not taking care of their body so well anymore that was also for me the time where i had my eating disorder where i right. was not in touch with my emotions with my feelings with my needs my physical needs but only up here yeah and if someone told me you know like oh but we can do it just this way or, you know, maybe just do it the other way. And it's like, no, I have to do it this way. It was even, it was yeah, like it an obsession compulsion. Yeah, and yeah. Com- compulsion because yeah. it, it feels safe for me to do it that way. Right. To stick to something so, that I knew. Uh, so let's put, let's, let me ask you then two questions. One, um, obviously the safety net is a very interesting idea. So you created yeah. a safety net to make yourself feel secure. That's, but on mm-hmm. the other side, how would you deal with somebody today? If you identified them to be like you used to be, how would you, how would you deal with that? <laughs> yeah, maybe the the first thing with the with the safety is actually also something that brain biologists, you know, and then mm. brain scientists say that it's so it's so hard to change something in your behavior because the brain's pattern are like like streets, you know, you always use the same street and you feel safe and it's so mm. hard to leave the path because that means for the brain, oh my God, it's dangerous. We don't know what will happen. Right. You know, I don't want to change anything. That's why we stick to our habits that much. But yeah, if I if I do meet and I actually do meet a lot of logical people in my work <laughs> because I'm still active in, logical the, to a flaw, yeah. in the academic um, area, yeah. I do recognize that I don't need to talk to them about feelings or intuition or spirituality because they they have no no access to it in that way. Yeah, they have, they have, exactly. It's just but like I also foreign. like for me. I also know that you know having a, a sharp brain is also a very good tool if you think about sure. things logically. You know, you can plan things ahead. Specifically, it's about like planning experiments or something like that. That I actually try to to put their or use their power to an advantage and mm-hmm. try and show them that you know how to use it even in combination with intuition or or something like that that you can combine. So, but well, these okay. Two so worlds. what you're trying to tell me is the way that you deal with them is you try to help and guide them. They might not always end up in your favor <laughs> trying to do. That's why I'm. Act- I mean, I mean, realistically, like if you. That's why I think I am not so not working so much with them anymore. And I do feel that, you know, when I'm in a team that only with only people who are very logical, I'm not doing so well anymore. <laughs> yeah. And but do you, you do you find yourself no longer in a position of leadership, being shut out by the group, or do you just naturally leave? Mm, I let them do their thing, to be honest. Like, you know, if it's not something I have to be responsible for and I think, okay, if they do it the way they want to do it, let them okay. do it. And, you know, if I don't have to be the one taking, you know, like <laughs> cleaning right. after them, then just yep. let them do their thing. Maybe they will will, will see yep. what comes out of it. But if it's something that I have to take responsibility for, then 
I do explain how I feel about situations. I say, you know, this is a very good idea. I actually have a situation like that. Someone came to me, like, you know, we have to do this project. It makes totally sense. It's so logic. This mm. will help us. This is so good. But I don't feel it. I don't want to do it. And there's nothing I can really complain, you know, explain it in a logical way. That you say back to them. Yeah, I, I don't know how to say, like, I just don't feel like it. <laughs> you yeah. know, this for them, like, what? You don't have a good feeling about it. I mean, yeah. you can say that. And and I um, this is actually something that is ahead of me. I actually have mm -hmm. to do it that way. I don't know how this person will react, but this is something I just don't want to do it. Yeah. And this is reason enough for me. I, I don't need to have a logical well, explanation. Well, I think that, look, it. you know, with your background and your expertise, I think this is something that um, the logical people have to take into account. And I think it's very difficult for them. Yeah. Because yeah. what they, a lot of logical people require is for you to prove yourself to them. And that's, and that's mm. a dangerous game to play because in that case, it's like, you have all you have years of expertise behind you, but yet now you have to do something miraculous to gain their respect, so that they can fit you into their logical paradigm of crisis solution. Right? Yeah, and also they expect me to change uh, to have a different behavior because they see my record. You know, they know I've been to academic uh, university and my PhD time for that's, so long. That's their issue for for of course it's their expectation. That's you know? that's their own uh, fault. Of course, yeah. yeah. Well, in that sense, like I was saying, is that I think that. Um, when you have to then explain yourself to them. I think in my, my, the way that I deal with people like that is I try to, you know, in that case, I see what kind of tool they are. Mm. You know, it, it sounds like a blunt way of saying it. Mm. Find out what kind of animal they are is another way of saying it. Yeah, maybe right? nice. But uh, <laughs> in this case, you're trying to solve uh, a task. So in this case, they're a tool. And to find out what tool they are, uh, how they could be used, and, 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 and in a way that makes them comfortable. I think that's the important part about it is to try and keep them comfortable because they are the ones that seem to be, well, let's look at it two ways. They are the ones that seem to be at, like they're uneasy about doing things a certain way or, or trying to understand that your background and your expertise is telling you that you have a bad feeling about this. Yeah. And and you don't need to have to explain it all the time. That's the point. And that's, and that's an important yourself. reason for mm -hmm. having a big background of success. Yeah. Right. So Again, it's it, dealing with the logic-based people. It's it's. I'm not putting them all into the same pile, but it's it's definitely a type of person that I've had to go through and around and work with many many times. Yeah, and it's uh it's good. Like I say, you know, um, if I can see what makes them happy, then I can help them deliver that or deliver that to them. Yeah, I think for them, as you said, you know, safety is a big thing, and and doing things in a way they understand it, it makes sense to them. Right. So if you can figure out a way that you know, explain to them we're doing this and this and this way, not just because I feel like it, but because you know, but also look, this this I have done yeah. this, I have experience from that, that didn't work, that will work, so that you are bringing a little bit more balance into it, and yeah, mm -hmm. trying to yeah balance. Show. But I I do. I do um, saw that when I was you know, in university starting my shamanic journey and mm -hmm. my shamanic work as well. I didn't talk to people around me because I knew they wouldn't understand and right. they were not open for it. I think that's another point. If you have uh, the shamanic your, stuff, you mean they're not open to the shamanic stuff? Yeah. Well, yeah. if you have your your idea about how to work, work, uh, work the world works in, in logic way, mm -hmm. I think for many of them, it's hard to think about something else. It's mm. that's like written in stone, and they're, you know, if someone comes up to you and say, you know what, there's actually way more to it, 
they don't want to look at it. It's too scary and too dangerous. Yeah, We're gonna, I, that's <laughs> yeah. something I'd like to get into um, yeah. more. More when we talk about maybe the Celestine prophecy stuff, because that's a huge part of, yeah. of I think the reasoning behind a lot of this. And again, from you know full circle from what we started, it has to do with identification and mm -hmm. maybe also something for all guys of you who know about Eckhart Tolle. He talks about this a lot. If you identify yourself with a certain type of person, you know, I'm the mm -hmm. logical one, or I'm the academic person. Yeah. I'm the most well-known biologist I know, I know everything. And then someone comes up to you and tells you actually there's way more and you realize, oh, maybe I don't mm. know that much. Then this this picture of you just crumbles down and the ego wants to do everything in order to protect this. That's yeah. why we or many people just just don't want to look at other things. Yeah. Just yeah. They just want to protect their, their view of themselves that makes them feel safe. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next, it's kind of like, like when we talk about safety, it, it dovetails really nicely into the next category of person that I often what? deal with. Dovetail? Dovetails. It, uh, uh, ducktail. No, dovetail. Oh, never heard that. Well, it just follows nicely into ah. the next topic. <laughs> and that is, um, the creature of habit itself. Okay. Yeah. And the creature of habit I find is someone who breaks under pressure and can't make make decisions outside of their comfort zone. That yeah. to me, like when we're talking about the real dangerous creature of habit, and I say dangerous because they can be very dangerous. It means that they can't be reliable when mm -hmm. something changes. Mm -hmm. um, they can be very self-destructing. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, they're, they're also very likely to burn out very quickly when things change, you know? Um, yeah. So to run themselves into exhaustion very quickly. Parts of it I I do have, I think. <laughs> With you personally? I would say so. Like um, some things I think, you know, specifically with burn, like burning out and then running myself into that because I mm -hmm. feel like I have to do things in a certain way because I learned it like that or there was like a belief system I picked up, you know, always do 150% every time, always give everything you have, <laughs> always supporting everyone around you and you're you the last on It the only list. goes up to 100%, that's just saying. I know that. That's why <laughs> I'm saying that, you know. That, I'd, that, I'd be burnt out too. I mean, there's that, nothing left. Th that could also be a creature of habit that you stick to the beliefs that you learned when you were a child and you don't want to let go of them. You know, you're not even aware of them that mm -hmm. you, you are acting the same way you used to when you were a kid and also yeah. a teenager that's also a creature of habit so i definitely had it i don't know not not that much anymore <laughs> but i do know and that goes again the same thing you know like um, a habit or something familiar is safety it's it's equal to mm -hmm. safety and that's why many people stick with what they know yeah don't want to make decisions, don't want to change anything in their no. lives because it's it's dangerous. You don't know what will happen to you. Mm. And I think for many people, that's maybe it's it's really personality traits. Mm. I don't know if we talked about this before in, in one of our shows, but in, in the in the animal kingdom, you can also see different personalities. Yeah. With 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 mammals, but also with birds and spiders and all that. And there are some which are more bold and mm -hmm. also aggressive and more, you know, curious. Who, who are more the explorer type and yeah. they are really putting themselves into danger, trying new things, going into the cities and all that. And then you have the other type, which is more like the the one that are more submissive, you know, the like the, the gamma mm -hmm, delta mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> in, 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 in the social ranks. Epsilon semi-moron. Yeah, but they are also, um, they're also more timid, timid? Timid, yes. Timid and also more cautious. So yeah. there are actually yeah. really personality traits. And I think that also applies to us humans. Some people just don't want to 
go into the world. They don't sure. want to experience something new. They're happy with their lives, if even if it's always yeah. every day the same thing. And that's totally okay. But of course, if you meet with someone who always wants to change mm -hmm. something, you always want to do something yeah. different, that there can be a lot of friction. Yeah. Yeah, you see that uh look at a look at a real kindergarten, right? And you look at children. <laughs> no, you saw my painful face, right? <laughs> yeah, Maddie Maddie put out her back earlier today oh. and so she's dealing with that right now. But uh, she's dealing with it all right, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm good here. Good. As long as you don't have to get up. <laughs> yeah, as long as I don't have to do cartwheels here. It's okay, floor. we can sit you there for a while. It's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you take a look at a real kindergarten, it's it's very similar, right? Where you have um, yeah. children and you can see certain things already setting into their minds at yeah. a young age, such as, hey, that kid only eats his juice box when he, or he only drinks from his juice box if he chews on the straw, mm. you know, he can't drink it. <laughs> or he doesn't even drink water unless it comes from a, a juice box. Or, you know, like, I mean, yeah, like yeah. there are certain things or like yeah. he has to eat his pudding with a fork or, you know, like, like weird things, <laughs> you know, they're like kids develop these things and eventually they unfortunately sometimes identify themselves so deeply mm -hmm. with these things that they, you know, do for no reason yeah. somehow, right? Yeah, yeah. But then it gets deeper, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, then the fear sets in later on in life. And um, then they, they, they don't like to be left alone or, you know. Um, also, I think that has to do with, you know, being something special. <laughs> Maybe like a little story. I, when I was a kid or also a teenager, I, I was a single kid, you know, like I, I never really had a lot of social interactions, but sometimes I try to make something out of like... A single I, kid in the sense that you had no siblings. I had no yeah. si siblings, yeah. I didn't so, expect you to be in a relationship as a child. Well, you said that, the single kid? <laughs> I'm just oh, joking. <laughs> I get it. And so I made up stories. I was really living in my own... In my own world where I, you know, I did horse riding and a lot of friends. So whenever someone asked me what I'm doing, I just lied the hell that, out of yeah, it. Yeah, that's a big one for some kids. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, for me, it felt real and it actually created a world for me of safety and happiness that made me feel safe. And mm. uh, so even, you know, that I, I came up with weird uh, allergies. I said, oh, I can't eat mayonnaise because my tongue will swell up. Like, I don't know, it was so creative. Yeah, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Right. And maybe that's, I like to write stories right now because I just had that creative mind using it in order to make myself more interesting to people. But it was definitely um, like a coping behavior, a coping mechanism. Yeah. And, it, and it took me a long, long time to really get rid of lying in my life. Interesting. Yeah. yeah it's funny. I, I know a couple other people, specifically girls, who went through that exact same yeah. drama of not even like fables, but like un like useless things, like 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 lying to the point where like like you ask them what they did today, and it's like none of it's true. Yeah, like none of that yeah, happened. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> but like even like it carried on into the teens, where they it took them a long time to get rid of that. Where it wasn't until their adulthood that they realized. Lying's not good because then you always have to keep all these different stories yeah. in check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, and, yeah, and then absolutely. when you talk to this guy, you have to know that you did this on Tuesday, but this other guy, <laughs> you did this on Tuesday, yeah. right? And, and that, yeah. that becomes actually quite stressful, right? And also, I mean, you know, as a kid, it's it's it's, it's still fun, I guess. But later on, if That's, you're an adult and then you're in your working environment and people pick up that you're a liar, I mean, what a bad reputation is it's that? It's the you know? same <laughs> thing like touching a doorknob three times before you turn it. It might be cute yeah. at first, but eventually it's a problem. Well, yeah. yeah, it's it's considered not to be, you know, normal. And again, it is a, a coping behavior that helped us to to survive in an environment that was not healthy for us um, as yeah, we were kids. Yeah, I can kids. see that. I can see so, that. We have lack of good guidance. Who knows what all the reasons could be yeah. together. And 
for me, it definitely brought me to my childhood where there was a lot of traumatic events uh, around me. And mm -hmm. I just wished that life were different for me back then. And so I created it. Yeah. No, yeah. I think uh, a lot of um, the different dramas are coping mechanisms. Um, and I want to get into that uh, shortly. Which is actually interesting because if you look at it, then you can be also thankful for all the stuff that you might carry with you right now that you consider to be bad. You know, yeah. you can just like, wow, okay, it protected me, but now it can actually can let go of it. Yeah, it yeah. But also to see how creative life is and your, your mind, you know, what kind mm -hmm. of ideas comes up in order to protect you from damage. And that for me is another... Or to make life fun. Yeah, or to make life fun, that's true. But it's also for me, it's another, I would say, evidence for that life is way more that we think it is that there mm -hmm. is energy around us that you know like kind of combines things and 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 shapes our lives in a really yeah. interesting way we're gonna get more into that i okay. promise it's gonna it's gonna be a ball. Promise. I promise. <laughs> so uh the next style of person that i want to talk about um i think it's a very important one it goes in with what you're talking about as well um and i call this the dominant person the mm -hmm. dominant people mm -hmm. and i want to really illustrate what I, what I mean when I say dominant, I don't mean, you know, what people might classify as a bully. Mm -hmm. uh, I think of dominant in the sense of uh, the silverback gorilla, mm -hmm. right? I think of dominance in the sense of protector, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So the silverback gorilla is dominant because he's the pack protector, yep. right? He's the alpha male and he's there for a reason. And he's taken on this, this heavy role, this burden yep. to take care of everyone. Yep. And he's dominant because if anybody else comes in, yep. he's going to deal with them. Yeah. And everybody feels protected to be yep. around a dominant yeah, yeah, person. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Um, but you have because of the dominant personality, you also end up with subdominant personalities. And there are all there 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 are often conflicts there, mm -hmm. you know, between different big personalities that try to do something. And that can be yeah. very, very tough uh when you're in a project and someone is just constantly fighting you at every little Questioning. question or yeah. anything, right? And, and 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 this is an interesting thing that I want to say because dominance to me is a positive thing mm -hmm. um, in this in this context when I'm comparing it to the silverback gorilla yeah, yeah. or the the, yeah, the, yeah. the leader of the pack, right? Um, but there are a lot of people who pretend to be dominant and they confuse it mm -hmm. with aggression. Mm -hmm. They confuse it with um, authority. And it's not the case. Yeah. I think that actually a lot of what we consider to be authority today are not dominant people. I think yeah. that a lot of the people in authority are very far from being naturally dominant, right? Yeah, well, they're more more interested in suppression and making themselves like, you know, mm -hmm. as a, yeah, suppressing and manipulating other people. This is actually another... Not protecting them, right? Exactly. So, this is yeah. actually another type of person I was going to come into uh, in a couple steps, which I call the oppressive person. And, yeah. and it, But it goes hand in hand because yeah. like I say... The dominant person, as I mentioned, a truly dominant person is a good thing, right? Yeah. And and when you're when you're working with somebody who is truly like a silverback, yeah, I find that it's sometimes it's good to let them roll to do their thing yeah. so long as they're not being destructive. I um I think I just have that picture in mind of Malcolm Reynolds from the the Firefly that that movie and the series. Yeah, sure. I remember when you when we watched that series the first time. He said, "Yeah, you know, he's a real leader. Like he's the captain of that uh, ship, that's the spaceship, and mm -hmm. he has sometimes rough makes the rough decision, and he seems to be very not aggressive, but like rough." 
Yeah, but, but he, he can be violent towards the people in his own crew when they step out of line yeah, very easily. Yeah, but basically at the end, all he was caring about was the, the safety of the ship and the crew. And I think they're... The, really the harmony, this, I would say. Yeah, they displayed that well to that, that character, which I would think is definitely... Mm-hmm. Um, the one you're talking about. Yeah, I would say so. I'd say he's, he's definitely a, a pretty decent example of that. <laughs> and, and I say this because, like I said, is that when you walk into it, like for me at work, right, if I walk into an environment um, to do a job, yeah, often I'm walking into a foreign al- environment. I'm yeah. walking into a wolf yeah. den where there, there already is a structure yeah. involved. I'm coming there to provide a service or to fix an issue that they have and yeah. to work with them to get it done. Yeah, yeah. And for me, if I, if I notice that there is no pack leader, that I either have to find one or become one. And becoming yeah. the pack leader in a situation, like I don't plan on being a part of their pack for very long. So it's not attractive <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's very attractive for me to find somebody who has that dominant yeah. personality yeah. so that I can say, here are the tasks at hand. Please help me aggregate it yeah. towards yeah, the, yeah. The, the, you know, the greater good of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And as I mentioned, <clears throat> what can then be very elusive is trying to identify a true dominant person. And mm-hmm. I say that because you then get, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. oppressive people yeah. that appear to be dominant. And yeah. it takes intelligence and it takes experience to understand that's not dominance, that's oppression. Yeah. And it's and, it, and there's, a, there's a very clear line between Absolutely. the two. And it's not always clear to everybody. Yeah. All right? And I've seen that a lot in the sense that a good example is, is let's just jump right into the oppressive person. Mm-hmm. Um, the oppressive person tends to often, more often than not, um, suppress the people below him, obviously, yep. right? Meaning that what he wants to achieve in life is um, he knows that he can't get better. Internally, mm-hmm. he knows it. He has to somewhere know that he's th- he doesn't have it in him to try and get better. So when he meets other people, he's afraid of them being better than him. Mm. Let's take a real good teacher, whether it be a, a martial arts teacher, a ski teacher, or whatever. Yeah. Um, let's say it's a generational trait, something like, you know, skiing or whatever. So it takes something something else, you know, martial arts is, I think, a little easier to to grasp. The teacher should always be, if if like, if you're, a, if you're really good at what you do mm-hmm. and you're not an oppressive person, then you should always be able to um, teach your students to be better than you. So yeah, every generation absolutely. should be getting better and better and better. Yeah, yeah. The oppressive person will never let that happen. Yeah, the oppressive person mm-hmm. will always make sure that he's the master and that that's the student. It doesn't yeah. matter how how long they live. That's the yeah, that's, I get the, it. that's the dominance spectrum of yeah. their relationship. And oppressive people are like a cancer in a in a in a group organization, specifically in today's world mm-hmm. because all you really got to do is talk to all the people at the bottom and ask them how they feel about their manager. Yeah. And if you get 80% of them rolling their eyes and you can tell they don't like them, yeah, yeah. you can tell they're, they have oppressive issues. Yeah. Um, if you get a lot of mixed opinions that, you know, sometimes show, yeah, he's he's fair, but mm-hmm. he could be very aggressive. Then you know, okay, maybe it's maybe it's an actual uh, dominant person uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. Because dominant mm-hmm. people aren't always trying to be loved. They're they're trying to search for. It's not for their har- job. Their it's job not their is something job. else. Yeah. Exactly. They're <laughs> yeah. they're looking for harmony. Yeah, yeah. And harmony requires sometimes that a, p- a couple of people don't like them. Yeah. Right. Um. And that's and that's the end of it. But as I was mentioning with the uh, oppressive people, they tend to be damaged people, and you can tell that the oppressive people, if they're naturally like a beta, they're mm. always going to oppress the deltas and the thetas and the mm. epsilons and all that. Like like and let them know you're a couple yeah. ranks below me yeah, yeah. and then they're always going to go to the alpha and report to them 
and either take credit for the good things that they didn't do or make sure that the alpha of the group knows all the bad things of all the little people, the little tiny things <laughs> that the alpha doesn't have any reason to actually care about. Yeah, yeah. Right? All the details. But just to make the alpha aware that these people aren't as yeah, good yeah. as me, I'll, 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 I'll stay in charge and I'll fix them. I'll put them in place, right? Yeah. So this is something that I've seen over and over again. It's a very, very hard uh, judgment call because it's one of these things like if I walk into a project and I could see there's a clear dominant person there who is ready to take charge. He's responsible. He's yep. got his shit together. My job gets easier. Like, of it, it, does. It, it's way easier. But if I make that bad judgment call and assume somebody who is an oppressive person as a dominant person, mm. it makes my job hard. Mm. makes it very difficult mm. because what eventually happens is uh, a struggle between myself and that person. Yeah, yeah. Because they try to suppress me. Yeah, yeah. Or if anything happens that is, let's say, for example, their fault. Yeah. They're going to push it onto me or somebody else and, I, and it's going to take a long time to get to the bottom of it, right? And this is this is one of these things, just learning how to navigate that. <laughs> oh my God, the kindergarten is big, right? This is this it is, is how I feel about it. It is also very natural behavior, you know, like the um, the same. If you look at the rabbit group, you know, you have always that alpha rabbit who's defending mm -hmm. the 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 group. And if if a new male comes in, wants to try over, take over the group, that you know, then mm -hmm. they also like start stop being aggressive and and fighting and all that. So. But it also always has something to do with them keeping the social the social hierarchy. For yeah. them, it means if they're not the the highest anymore, you know, then they also don't have access to the to the alpha female anymore, <laughs> which means then they can't reproduce that much. So it has, I think, a there, lot there to a do with status, also in a yeah. biological with the biological meaning of being accepted, being seen as something, someone valuable, as some mm. someone attractive. Is someone to be um, respected and loved. Mm -hmm. So I think that's always that you can refer to at the end. Right, right. Um, I have a couple others yeah. on my list. Let's let's look at them. I have here the next one: um, the spoiled consumer. Okay. The spoiled consumer for me is a very funny one because this is somebody that I find makes decisions that are fashionable. Yeah. Right. Again, and also to be, you know, like respected as someone fashionable, as someone... Uh, it, well, what it yeah. really makes difficult is that, for example, if um, let's say you're dealing with a project. Yeah. And you can tell that like the project leader that you're dealing with uh, who has to take care of everything or the project manager or whatever, um, you can tell that they don't actually give a shit about what they're doing. Or it's what more it, what about people think about. Yeah, it's so long as thing. at the end their reputation is boosted, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. they get a new computer and a nice car, um, <laughs> then it's all good. Yeah. But as far as quality of product and quality of, mm. of content, it actually, they'll they'll pretend and they'll pretend very, very well. You know, till, they'll pretend to the point where they'll get angry at people who don't see things um, that make this project look amazing. Mm. You know, it can be anything from, uh, uh, I don't know, like something that uh, fixes uh, pollution, right? Mm -hmm. But let's say that he, let's say that if that same person was in another project where their product polluted, they wouldn't give a shit because it's, it's, it's about them in the project looking better. Yeah. But in that moment where they're now in a position where they can say, um, 
their their product is to help prevent pollution, then what mm. they're going to do is they're going to be very aggressive towards other people who have anything to say against that, right? Um, and, and and it's really interesting. You know, I had a couple examples. For example, um, customers who have home theaters. And I would yeah. go in there and I would um, build it, design it, uh, program it, or fix it up. Whatever the case may be, that's something I used to do a lot. I don't do as, as much anymore, but I still do it once in a while. And I, I, I find some customers... They spend a couple hundred grand on a home theater. Um, they say they want all this stuff, but then they never use it, mm. right? And then <laughs> and then they go to use it on one day and it doesn't work properly. And then you get a call and they're angry. They're they're really angry. Mm. And they're not angry because it didn't work. They're angry because they had people over and it didn't work in front of the people. <laughs> and that that was what really ticked them off, right? Yeah, yeah, they spent of hundreds of thousands of, of dollars to make themselves look good. Yeah, and yeah. in the end it backfired. Again, same thing, you know, right. to, to have the reputation in the public, to be loved uh, by others, to be respected and um, to to be an attractive person. So it always comes down to that. And I think once you start realizing that if you make your own worth depending from what other people think about you, mm. you will always be lost. You will never find happiness and and real acceptance of yourself in the world because you're always, mm -hmm. you know, always wait for the approval of someone else and you will you won't get that from everyone of course not no. it's not possible so yeah. if you're not happy with yourself deep down and realize you know who you really are and what an amazing person you are and just accept this and that's yeah. it then you know i also used to be like that you know what people think about me and that my, my grandma was so bad like she said you know Don't, don't tell that to the neighbors. Don't talk about this in public. You know, don't tell them what's going yeah, on exactly. in here. So what yeah. other people think about us? And it was always the main issue of what she was caring about, what other people thought about her. Right. Same with my mother, you know, like the house and the big car and all that. It's yeah. all yeah, for yeah. the other people what to think about them. And I, I grew up like that too. And I was there for a long time. That's, I think... Maybe I'd also got my PhD because of that. <laughs> because you felt like you had to prove Maybe, yourself. Yeah, yeah, I had to prove myself. And I <clears throat> I think I would decide differently now because now I don't really don't care anymore what other people think about me. And um, writing books that help so much because I can be me. I can say what I think is, 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 is right or wrong. And I can put that out into the world knowing that it's okay you know even if some no one will will be interested in that you had a good time yeah i had a good time expressing myself and you know even if there's only one person thinking like oh yeah that makes sense you know kind of changing something in that life that that's enough that's yeah. all all it is but as you said you know you need to have that confidence of expressing yourself no matter what no matter what people think about you and that's mm -hmm. So hard to, I think, come to that point because we are yeah. so programmed the other way. Yeah, I, for me, it, it took, um, I mean, it happened to me early in life, so I'm happy for that. Yeah, that's good though. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is good. and But, it, you know, it, it does take quite a few crashes and burns um, in order for you to realize that yeah. uh, you have to let go of all of that stuff, you yeah. know, um, to let go of the judgment. And, or even let go of doing something because of judgment. Yeah. You know, I think that was something that I was able to let go of really easily. I think it can also turn into something negative if you are, you know, really don't give a shit mm -hmm. about anything anymore. That also, it's also not good if you really don't care what, you know, what's happening around you, what happens yeah. to other people. But um, it's more about 
being brave enough to be yourself and express mm -hmm. the ideas that you have, doing the things that you love, no matter what people think about you. And there will always be someone as like complaining and, you know, like <laughs> judging <laughs> you for for what um, what you do and what you yeah. are. Well, um, that this comes to my next person, which is the, uh, so we just left the uh, spoiled consumer, which, yeah. you know, just to summarize, to me, the spoiled consumer really is somebody who, um, they buy things not knowing what it is that they're buying. <laughs> and, 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 you know, smart home. That's yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 that word that I, I ever so hate and love <laughs> at the same time. Um, and I love it because it's funny, right? Yeah, it's, it, funny. It's, it's, a, it's a bullshit term and it means nothing. But how people buy all of this stuff and they have no idea what yeah, it yeah. is, how it works and how they're going to live with it. And, and, <laughs> and so when you start selling them little things that you realize they need because they bought this system. And yeah. They don't care. It's, 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 it's really, it's a very frustrating thing, you know, when people buy stuff and they don't know what they got. They have no idea what it is they purchased. You know, yeah, well, it's it's really funny. It's, it's, it's their own it, fault, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but I see that a lot in, for example, government contracts where mm -hmm. um, the, the main project manager says that, okay, we have to have a bus system for lighting. Mm -hmm. um, and he doesn't know what it means, but yet he's the one picking out uh, keypads. It's, 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 mm. it's, it's awful, right? Uh, so it, I had a project where um, due to budget and a bad project manager, they ended up picking keypads out that had no display on it and they wanted temperature room control in every single room for both heating and cooling and this had this, this building had like a thousand rooms uh, so what do you think happened is mm. in the end they ended up with these these keypads where they can say plus two degree uh, or more cooler or less cooler or you know it, you know and it, and, and it it, it, it would crash and burn. Everybody mm. was miserable with the system. Mm. Uh, nothing worked. And, and in the beginning, when we tried to, to put our, you know, two cents into it and to influence a better decision, it just wasn't going to happen, right? Yeah. So um, spoiled consumers. And like I said, the mm -hmm. spoiled consumer isn't only on a private level. I find it to also be on a corporate level because you have a lot of people just buying things and they don't know why they need it. <laughs> they just get it because everybody else is getting it. Everyone else is. Right? Yeah, I so, get it. So there we go. Okay. Um, the next one I love, this is the stubborn IT person. <laughs> now, I, I, I say the stubborn person, right? But I see, I, I say to me that that's the IT people, okay. right? IT people are stubborn people. And everywhere I go, it's always the same. You know, IT people, kind of like the logical people, they're in a bubble, they're in a dome, they have their head in a cloud. Maybe they're too frustrated from looking at blue lights all day on the, yeah, on the screen in front of them. I think that has a lot to do with it, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, they take things way too personally often mm. to stubborn people, right? Stubborn people are people, you know, obviously like the word, they're not willing to change. And as you mentioned before, it, it's definitely a comfort zone that they have determined for themselves. Mm. Um, or, you know, the stubborn person could be applied to over top of any of the other categories that we've had as well. Mm. But um, this is someone where when I have to, like whenever I, I plan a project, if I realize some of the people I have to work with to get the project done, are just naturally stubborn people, regardless. And, mm -hmm. I, and I can get that, I'll get that out of them really quickly. When I actually go to a business meeting um, to design a project or a system, the first thing I'll actually do is not talk about the project or the system just to see how other people react. Yeah, yeah. If other people start getting nervous and scratching the table and, yeah. and, and you know, like they don't want to talk about this, yeah, yeah. you can tell this is going to be a problem because right. they don't have the ability to relax a little bit, right? That's yeah, yeah. It. And then you start, um, just, you know, you, you know the scope and you know how things are going to be. And then you just throw an idea on the table that's crazy. Mm. See what happens. And I don't do it because I want to do it. I do it because I want to see 
who I'm dealing with, mm. right? And 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 some and sometimes I see some people just lose their mind, and then right there, I know the quilt that I'm going to give this project is going to be forty percent more than the last <laughs> one because I have to deal with this guy. Mm. End of story, right? They mm -hmm. don't know that. They don't understand at the table at, at that moment that one guy who lost his shit because he was stubborn that he wanted to do things a certain way. And I said, you know what? I know another way that's that's more efficient and better. And he's like, no, nope, we're doing it this way. And he's not cool with just talking about it. Right yeah. there, 40% on top of the The problem price. is, I mean, why would you hire someone who is an expert if you would, you know, if you know it better? Like, <laughs> that's always, that's actually, I don't know where I read that. That was one of the advices that whenever you you book a service or something as with with someone who is an expert in his field and you should look for an expert mm -hmm. just do what they say there are no there are expert, uh, experts for for a reason right that's right why would you what you say well i know it better i mean <laughs> oh yeah i had to, so a, a a classic example of that for me was a project that i had done uh, and i remember very clear i'm not going to say the name of the company but mm -hmm. um i'm sitting in a boardroom with about a dozen people and um, we're there to do a really complicated um, conference room slash building automation system. So we have multiple conference rooms. They have multiple displays, uh, touch screens, light control, blind control, um, all that stuff, mm. centralized controlling. Um, they even have centralized sources for video um, and, and like a whole bunch of stuff. So like, I mean, right away we're talking like uh, video matrix switchers. We're talking bus lighting system, bus um, uh, telegram system for, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, for the for the blinds. We're talking about a centralized system uh, for getting weather data information, so that the blinds don't don't go crazy when when it's storming outside. Uh, and then at the same time, you know, we're talking about the audio and visual world, video world. We're talking about a, a decent display where I could communicate with. Mm. And sometimes I'll say we're going to get this display. And this is this is actually where it happened. When the guys they say we're going to get this display in this sound bar, and I said that's not a good idea. Right then and there, they lost their mind because they they kept telling me all the like the IT people, right? The company hired me as the audio video expert to come in and put this system together with the house system, so I can tie it into the um, the, the lighting system and the the blinds and, and all that yeah, other yeah. stuff, right? Um, and then I get the IT people telling me what I'm going to be building in. Mm. And then when I tell them, no, that's a bad idea, they inform me that they already purchased the products <laughs> and they just thought I'd be cool with it. Yeah, yeah. And they thought they'd go back to their boss and say, I knew what I was talking about. This is why I yeah. made sure that we bought this stuff and that some other asshole wasn't going to come in and, <laughs> and get in the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, naturally what ended up happening is, is that uh, they either needed more stuff for me to be able to interface to these devices mm -hmm. and the interface wasn't as clean. Um, meaning that some, in some cases I couldn't give them volume sliders uh, and faders for, you know, control. Instead, I had to give them toggle buttons because it just, <laughs> they didn't have these types of codes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Little, little, little dumb examples. Or I couldn't have discrete codes for all the different inputs because it was uh, whatever. And, and this is that thing where it's like my experience guides me. But what guided them was not their experience. Mm -hmm. What guided them was they were stubborn. Yeah, As I yeah. mentioned, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, they were um, pretending to be dominant mm -hmm. in order to assert that this is going to happen. Yeah. You know, they were going through that logical creature of habit, like everything on the list, like I, I, a couple times um, that happened. So um, the mm. now that we're leaving the stubborn people, right, um, I want to talk about really dealing with emotions. 
Because mm-hmm. this is something that now goes really nicely, I think, into the what we were trying to get to earlier with the Celestian Prophecy ideas yeah. and what you were talking about. Um, oppressing others with emotions and ethics. This is something that I often see, I call the good um, people syndrome, yep. right? Let's just make this the last category of person we're going to try. And, and and these categories, people, this isn't like all of them. I'm just saying yeah, these, are, just these are types of people that I often find myself in today's world dealing with. And I don't know why these types of people are more present today than they were for me, for example, 15 years ago mm. in my industry. Mm. 15 years ago in my industry, I had more, uh, I actually had to deal more with like people who had, let's say, um, childish syndromes, right? Like they just wanted to play, they couldn't concentrate, they wanted to, you know, they wanted to buy everything they want. They wanted too much. They wanted to over-design things, complicate things. I don't see that much anymore. Instead, I see these 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 dramas I have to get through in order to get things done. But, you know, 15 years ago, I was working in North America and 15, and now I'm here. So the dramas here are naturally also very different. Yeah, yeah, true. Right? So uh, the good person syndrome is also... Um, as I mentioned, somebody who attempts to take what he believes is ethical and good mm. and use that as a way to condemn other people for not being ethical and good. Right? Yeah. And so this is what's, the, the for me, what I kind of like when I talk about dealing with emotion and all that stuff, because when you deal with people like this and all the other categories previously, Really, what we're talking about are emotional issues. You know, as I as as I mentioned um, in the in the header for today. If any of you guys have read the uh, the info, probably not. Um, what I wrote down: it seems that our realm is, if nothing more than a kindergarten, unaware of our own demons. We often navigate the um, uh, sorry, <laughs> unaware of our own dramas. We often navigate life attempting to understand emotional development. And baggage in others, right? And minutes would also work. Was that? Yeah, de- <laughs> it, it, it does. It really does. Right? Yeah. Um, it, it's funny. I say demons because I just I was reading another book earlier today about a guy who was um, uh, he was talking about two thousand years. Well, a, a Gnostic paper or a Gnostic uh, writing that he that he was studying from two thousand years ago, and how the Gnostics believed that um, archons were. Um, spiritual parasites mm. that it let's say in Christianity we call demons, you know, um, and that uh, most mental illnesses today, the Gnostics actually believed because they talked about schizophrenia and stuff like that. Um, you know, they often believed that um, all mental diseases or a good number of them comes from people being infected with spiritual parasites that they call archons. Yeah, right? that's also that, 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 actually they're, they're a very shamanic. Yeah, exactly. Shamanic very idea. cool idea, right? Mm. So um, I also wrote down here that most are not ready to learn of reality. Um, and graduating kindergarten is often rare, I find, in today's world. <laughs> and I say that because um, when I look outside <clears throat> and I really interact with a lot of people, I find it harder and harder to just be real with people that that obviously you know when you're when you're at work there's a there's a formal separation to yeah. the, the the regular life and all that stuff but at the same time i don't often run into a lot of people where i can see um they're 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 ready to leave kindergarten you know it's true yes yeah. uh, so um more information tends to make people nervous 
Mm. And this is kind of what I was getting at with the emotional side. So when you're dealing with people who need to oppress others or they, uh, they're stubborn or they um, are spoiled or whatever the case may be, I find with um, my experience, it shows me that often finding out what type of creature you're dealing with mm-hmm. or what type of a tool you're working with, <clears throat> yep, right? Yep. What type of person, what type of dramas they have. It's important for me to try and figure that out as early as possible so that I know what to give them to make them happy. Yep. Um, and if I give them anything else outside of what makes them happy, it makes them nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's something that I've really tried to learn to understand when dealing with groups of people. Yeah. And it's I'm not doing it because I'm trying to be liked, right? I'm doing it because I'm trying to, you know, keep things harmonious. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in in, in many cases for me, it makes me nervous to have to deal with other people's issues. Uh, It is is an area where I don't want to, right? Sometimes I want to and and because I'm, you know, making, you know, like I've met a few people where I can see that their issues are very genuine and and I want to talk to them Mm -hmm. about it. I want to learn from it because maybe I've been through it myself. Yeah. But in in, in these kind of scenarios, what I'm saying is, is that it's important to understand who you're dealing with so that you can minimize the information that you have to give them and fine tune it. And yep. like, you know, instead yeah, of a yeah. shotgun approach, you're now giving, it's more of a sniper approach where you're mm-hmm. saying, this is exactly what you need. Boof, boof, boof. And then you go on to what has to, you know, what you all want to achieve and everybody gets happier that way. Because yeah, yeah. everybody's drama is being fed. You know, everybody's, mm-hmm. everybody has their meal at the table. Yeah, <laughs> right? I get So it. to say, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and we all eat at the same time perhaps, right? <laughs> so yeah, good. there we go. Um, the... And this is actually something that we talked about last time when we were talking about the the happy menu, mm-hmm. right? Um, that less decision for people who can't handle it. And that's a big thing. There's a lot of people, they just, they, you know, like like that, that typical salesman pitch, you know, uh, do you want the red car or the blue car? He didn't ask you, what car do you want? Because oh, yeah. all those decisions are overwhelming. All, all the different cars that have been around, you know, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> Some people don't want that. Some people want to walk on the car lot and have the guy come and say, uh, you want the blue one or the red one? Let's get you into one today. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and then you're like, ah, oh, this is easy. And all I got to do is pay the guy now. Yeah, for me, that would be an easy decision. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Maddie's like, I want the blue one. Yep. You know, easy, easy, easy. you know. Um, I remember Maddie's favorite car is a Ford Bronco. Not because it's a Ford Bronco, because most of them are blue. <laughs> <laughs> the tip they of- look really nice in blue. <laughs> yeah, they look very nice in blue. That is true. All right. So, um there are other things I was going to talk about today, but we're already an hour in. Like um, <laughs> we we got a comment on the spiritual parasites. Yeah, she's going to remember that. Uh, it's interesting, you know, the spiritual parasite. This is something I'm going to talk more about in future episodes because I'm still reading the book right yeah. now. Um, it's a real it's a real good idea, and he goes into well. This is like the the foreword for a book. The guy who was talking about the spiritual parasites, and in the book it really went into detail about how, um, you know, the follies of, let's say, the um, psychiatrical science, you know, um, yeah. psych- psychology and um, um, psychotherapy and uh, and all that, right? How how horrible that entire scientific industry is. And it's written by a psychiatrist, the book yeah, that yeah. I'm reading, right? Who's retired now. And he's just looking at Really, you know, because he spent, we did an episode about this guy specifically. I can't remember his name right now, unfortunately. Um, Actually, the book's right there. I can go and grab it. One second. Hmm. And I don't have to talk 
<laughs> but it also has to do with the episode that we did um, about extractions. Um, I don't, do I don't remember what ex- episode it was. Spiritual. So, um, no, it was the episode that it, maybe it was extractions. Could have been, but it was uh, it was the one where we talked about um, the history of uh, the way that we treated schizophrenia in society and mm-hmm. it was it's all laid out really well in this book here that i'm reading right now it's uh jerry mckenzie uh marzinski sorry um and as i mentioned he's uh well jerry Mar- uh, marzinski and sherry sweeney um he's a psychologist uh the psychologist psycho uh psychiatrist who worked in uh psychiatrics in, in hospitals for 35 years um directly with people hearing voices and all yeah, that yeah. stuff and he goes into real great detail as to um what he is now thinking, you know, after all of his experience and all of these years, he's starting to say, you know what, guys, um, I think the voices are real. Mm-hmm. And what if the voices aren't coming from within, but they're mm-hmm. actually coming from from out or, mm-hmm. or from without or whatever the hell you would call mm-hmm. that. Um, and, you know, this idea of the, the, the archon para- spiritual parasite. You know, you as a biologist, like how many how many animals can we still discovering? You know, like we're still constantly discovering yeah, new forms of animals of and bacteriums in places we never thought possible. Yeah, everywhere we yeah, look, yeah. where we believe there's no life, there's there's a plethora of life. Yeah. Now, yeah. just imagine if we were ever to able to um, tap into a, a spiritual realm and actually make measurements. What's who's to say that the spiritual realm isn't full of life as well, teeming, just like our yeah. realm. Yeah, and yeah. in that realm, you have parasites there just like you do here. Yeah. And some of those parasites are, you know, they can cross over and, and latch themselves onto us. Yeah. Again, it's a very, right? very uh, shamanic worldview that yeah. for thousands and thousands of years, um, you know, ind- indigenous cultures right. know this, 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 this knowledge. And I was listening to Sandra Ingerman. She is an um, American shaman. Also working for mm-hmm. you know for thirty years now, and it was very interested. Be- interesting because she said you know in in former in indigenous societies where there was a shamanic practice going on, the children actually learned about these dramas. They learned mm-hmm. about coping mechanisms and also manifestation. What it means to cer- mm-hmm. say certain words, to think that your thoughts are actually creating your life as well. If you always think you know about. Oh, I'm I'm so I'm such a victim. You know, the whole world is always against me. Well, guess what will happen to you? You will experience that because this yeah. is all you think about. This is what you send out to the universe, and it will just come rain down right back onto you. Right. And these kind of ideas um, are kind of forgotten as this right. knowledge that we don't get taught anymore in school mm-hmm. or also in general. That's why I think it's important to talk about it because it will change your life once you mm-hmm. realize how powerful your own thoughts are, and also that shamanic idea of everything outside of you is actually what's happening within you and that mm-hmm. within you you have a whole landscape just take the time and you know close your eyes you don't even have to go on a shamanic journey you just go mm-hmm. into a deep um, meditation or something rediscovering everything that is within you you can see the moon the stars everything you yeah. can create within you yeah, uh, and yeah. this is such a rich experience. Uh, experience once you made that experience, that richness will show in your outer life as well, because it's something that is so deep and profound that once you experience it, you can't forget about it of anymore. Course. Yeah, um, I was gonna talk. Uh, I was gonna go into the next topic that was to deal with um, 
violence and aggression, but I think we're going to skip that one for today. I, 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 yeah, I'm good here, but I can do, I, I do feel that. I can know? see it. I can see the fidgeting that you need to lay down on something like a piece of wood. My, my tail is hurting. <laughs> uh, she, so Madeline was cleaning up today and she was moving my weights around. It's actually was my weight. It's not that was I it, was never it the moved kettlebell? the weight before. Yeah, that was actually oh. the 20 kilos kettlebell. So she picked up a 20 kilo kettlebell and uh, now she's walking like an 80 year old. <laughs> so, <laughs> I so. have to say to my defense, you know, I usually, I am, I'm, I know how to lift weights properly, but that was just... You weren't thinking about it I wasn't moment. thinking about it because I was just cleaning up and I thought, oh, I'll just lift that thing over there. And I had a, yeah. such a bad angle where I was kind of half sitting, moving up that thing, and I just felt like, oh, shit, something yep. just pulled the... <laughs> yep. I pulled something. Early morning, no stretching. Oh, just it was, it's, let her rip. It's bad, and now I'm really crawling all over the place. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Maddie. All right, so uh, uh, what I'm going to do then is I'm going to... Um, go over kind of the the the, the outline of Celestine prophecy just a little bit because I did want to okay. talk about this because there's a there's a really cool part about it. I don't know if I can read from this screen. I'm gonna because it's too far away and for some reason the I'm gonna see if I can make it bigger. Talking about getting old. Huh? This isn't about getting old. No, these, no. These are, can you read from your distance here? I mean, this, this is a small text. Well, come here. on, this is like the double distance that you have. If you can't read it, how am I supposed to read well, that? I'm just saying. Oh, okay. Alrighty, uh, here I think I'm I can blow it up a little more. Are. I can. All right, that's good stuff. That's 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 gonna do fine. Okay. Um, yeah. Even reading the title earlier, I was like, Oof. it's funny because then you get these weird what we call Freudian slips where I confuse dramas for demons, but it didn't fit into that <laughs> context, I guess. So um, to wrap wrap things up, I do want to talk about the second insight of the Celestine Prophecy because it really does look into what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it also takes into consideration what you just talked about. You know, the idea of once you felt something, mm -hmm. unfeeling it, it's just not an option anymore. Yeah. You know, unfeeling it requires mental gymnastics, really. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, you have to do acrobatics in your mind that are that uh, can no longer be uh, undone. It's just, it's just, it's very complicated to unfeel something. I find it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a very complex form of ignorance to want to do that. Yeah. Um, so the Celestine Prophecy was a book by uh, James Redfield, who was also he ha he also has a master's, uh, just like um, Jerry Marzinski in um, counseling. So he's a, he's a therapist, just, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just like him. And um, he wrote this book originally to take what he had learned his master's degree, um, becoming a therapist, mm -hmm. and to put it into a, a real concept. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's funny because the way that he wrote it was so well constructed in the sense that people of all different backgrounds and yeah. religions and faiths can read this book yeah. and get it. And yeah. it's interesting because, uh, and I'm going to go, I, I'm gonna, I'd like to do an entire show just on yeah, this yeah. prophecy on the original nine insights. Maybe I can get someone funky on uh, to do it with us. Uh, I'll, I'll keep that in the back of my head. But this is definitely something I want to dive into today. We're just going to do a quick little um, uh, overview, and I'm going to talk about the second insight. Because to me, um, the the idea of the Celestine Prophecy, really just to put it into a quick package, is um, he created a fictional story of a, of a guy searching for, um, I think, a... A manuscript that was just uncovered yeah. in Peru, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, there are nine insights on it. And as he's trying to figure out what the insights are, he's living them as they go. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because when you read this book, that's what the reader often experiences, which makes this book. I mean, I, I purchased this book about ten times just so I can give it to people. Yeah, you know? yeah, I, yeah. I, one for I always had one for me to read and one to give, and um, it's it's just a, it's a really like I said, it's not a book to, to take a to, you know 
as a spiritual religion, which some people I, I've seen do, right. right? It's too mm -hmm. much. Some people are just like that. You know, they just need to mm -hmm. go from one religion to another, to the other you know, end. yeah, going from the left to the right and back. Um, but uh, nevertheless, um, James Redfield, when he wrote this book, it, it was really written in a first person point of view, um, working through the ideas of uh, how can I best put it together? It, you know, it's kind of like a guide to enlightenment to a, to a degree, like a small degree, right? And I'm just going to kind of go over the, the first nine steps. And, and this is what makes the book really fascinating is they never actually really give you a point form of what the nine insights are. Mm. They, 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 they tell you what they, what they are from different points of views mm. and, and from different opinions and different people saying them. And it's interesting because then what happens is, is you get like different forums, which I've been reading lately, one that is Christian based, how mm -hmm. the Christians point form the nine point, the nine insights are completely different yep. from, let's say, the new age spiritual people. Yeah. And it's completely different from the way that I'll do it. too. Yep. And, it, and that's what's actually really fascinating about the Celestine prophecy is that these nine insights can be explained. But in that sense, even in the book, there's no real there. I mean, there there isn't often a, a, like a one paragraph that says this is what it is. Take it to the bank and cash it in. That's mm. just not how it works, mm. right? It's it's more about trying to figure out what it is. Yeah, and that's and it's written really well for that reason. So um, the first one, let me just dive into it just to give you guys a feel for it. And you know, um, as I mentioned, we're going to do an entire episode on this eventually, and maybe a, probably like a special episode because it's gonna it's not going to be able to be covered in a simple hour and a half. I think. Mm. Um, so the first one, the the chapters kind of hold the, the 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 information of what the insight is so the first one the first chapter is there are only nine chapters right or ten technically because the intro um a critical mass right and it's the idea of paying attention to co coincidences which i call opening yourself to synchronicity so the first the first example i'll read paying attention to coincidences is from the christian point of view and from the spiritual point of view is no noticing synchronicity right and then for me i put uh open your uh, yourself up to synchronicities as you mentioned, once you've realized um, something, and I mm -hmm. say this now in the sense of synchronicity, once you've opened yourself up to synchronicity and you realize what I, what's, what is synchronicity? Synchronicity is something that happens um, that's so outside of the world of chance, mm -hmm. right? That it's yep. synchronistic, that it happens. Yeah. But then you start, then it just starts happening all the time because you're open to it. And then you start almost manifesting it. And all of a sudden, it becomes magical. Then you start to realize you're manifesting synchronicities so often that it's no longer synchronistic. It's just the way that the world works, and you're just now tuned into it. Absolutely, yeah. And again, this is the 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 thing I said that basically you create your own life, you create your environment, and you just need to learn about this stuff. Like you, when you think well, about learning about it's one thing, yeah. but being open to it's another different thing. Yeah, and nothing can happen that you are not. You know, open to it and you say, you know, I can't believe that this would happen. Well, then I won't believe. <laughs> like, for example, you know, we were looking for a house in that area. Everyone told us, uh, us, well, the time is over. You won't find a house here. That will take ages. You can't afford this because this area is so expensive. Yeah. And we were, I, maybe we were just so naive. <laughs> I yeah. don't know that we were like, of course we'll find something, right? Yeah. So we we were just not thinking about. I, that I felt that I was going to find it. I yeah, mean, that, me too. That's, that's and I thought, I thought, you know, if it's meant to be that we stay here, we'll find a place. And then within three months, we had that place here and done. 
yeah done yeah. <laughs> people was like how did you do that you know like how you could, you came in in that area and yeah. even now and people visit us oh it's so nice here how how did that happen how yeah, could you afford exactly. that and it's like it just happened yeah. <laughs> and and it's not that we were really asking for that specific house but i just you know thought about okay for, you, you know dear universe bring us the right place and then i i let go of it knowing that it will come there we and go. And then yep. it happened. And it was so many things in my life. And and so the idea of noticing synchronicities is, as I mentioned, opening yourself up to it is the hardest thing to do. And I think this is still yeah. one of the fundamental reasons why I, I dubbed this this episode, uh, you know, um, uh, graduating kindergarten is the sense that a lot of people aren't ready to graduate from kindergarten because they're not open to reality. They're not open to life. But and also, so, you know, if you would take it literally, kinder, like children actually are still very open to many ideas. So on that level, you can become a child again. Sure, because but you don't force a child to do, like I, what, what I say, what I mean by this is like forcing a child to uh, learn something. No, 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 no. What they garbage. bring naturally in is there a lot of creativity for them. You know, if you tell them, wow, you can talk to a tree. It's like, yeah. whoa, how cool is that? And then yeah, right? they go go off the way and do it. Yeah. So, well, this is the thing. Yeah. Is I, I completely agree that uh, that there are a lot of things that we have lost mm. uh, that we're trying to reclaim. And mm. a lot of our dramas have gotten in the way of that. And this is a, this is actually one of the cap the, the chapters yeah. uh, from the book uh, yeah, yeah. about, about uh, letting go, right? Yeah, yeah. And reclaiming what uh, what you can. Yeah. Uh, but the the idea with the with the kindergarten to me is, is as I mentioned is in western society, kindergarten is the place where children go to learn basic social interaction <laughs> before they learn. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That's that's why kindergarten exists, yeah. right? So that when you go to grade one, it's not a huge shock. So kindergarten's <laughs> kind of created as an intermediary mm-hmm. or inter, uh, as as a as a buffer zone yeah, yeah. between, you know, uh, being at home and being the center of your parents' world to now being out in a group where you're not the center mm-hmm. of everyone else's world. And, yeah. and I think that kindergarten, it was originally, like from what I've read, was originally designed to help overcome that. And most people are not ready to graduate kindergarten on that level because they still haven't gotten out of that mindset that, yeah. that uh, you know, that they could be open to reality, to learn and to experience and join with other people and, and, and yeah. with other beings and so on and so and forth. And the problem is, you know, having all these dramas constantly going on in their lives, they're actually missing out on their real life. They won't have the time to um, think about what they really want in life, to mm-hmm. manifest the things they love, to spend time it with only people, hurts them that, yeah, the it only hurts yeah. them at the end, and that's that's the tragic part. Well, not part true. It, it also hurts the other people around have to deal with their shit. True, too, but <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's, that's that's the tragic idea behind it. They mm-hmm. really try so hard, but they just get go, go further and further away from yeah. what they actually well, try to achieve. As I mentioned, I didn't want to go too much into the Celestine prophecy. Yeah. We're just going to overview it, and I can see that you're really excited to do this full episode of Celestine Prophecy, but not today. Not today when I'm recovered. Right. So that's 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 the first insight, and it really yeah. is the most important one because it, it kind of it really mm. does set 
uh, a flavor for what's required to go anywhere else. I mean, yeah. if you if you can't open yourself up to the universe, then what or or to reality? I I, I like yeah, to use yeah. the word reality because it's it's a it's a digestible word, right? Yeah. Um, even even the the concept of the universe is bullshit, right? We don't know if the, like even what is a verse and you know. <laughs> and, so reality, I think, is something that we could all easily yeah. um, look at and say. I, I call it also you know, life, you know, like just sure. the the nature as well. Yeah. So um, the second insight, the longer now, there is a meaning and purpose in life. That's the Christian view, which I don't agree with. Uh, some people love that idea. Yeah. I don't. Uh, the, the, the spiritual new age community says uh, the world has a spiritual design, mm. right? But again, so mm. purpose in life, uh, meaning and purpose in life, and the other one says spiritual design. What I tend to do to interpret this one is I say um, the past, present, and future are extensions of each other. Mm -hmm. And and that really, because now when we're talking about the second um, insight, what it's really talking about is, and this is, this is a big part of what we were talking about today, understanding your past to be able to yeah. move forward. Yeah. That's where a lot of these dramas and a lot of these, these issues really begin and and never are dissolved. Mm. And this is this is the burden you bring with you into the world where other people have to deal with. Yeah. And and so on and so forth, right? Um, I'm going to read uh, just a couple little sentences from the book explaining, you know, the the second insight. And it, and it's interesting because, like I said, I said they never really actually say what it is. They explain how it works the mechanism, right? And so um, what James Redfield wrote is a more correct interpretation of recent history, right? That's the, so we're talking about the second insight. What is it? It's a more correct interpretation of recent history, one that further clarifies the transformation. How could a new historical pers uh, perspective institute our perception of these coincidences and keep them conscious in the public mind. So when we're talking about the coincidence, we're talking about the syn mm. synchronicities yeah, yeah. in that point. So yeah. now what he's talking about, he's saying, now that you have felt the power of synchronicity, now that you've realized that you can't unfeel it, now you have to look back into your past mm. and reanalyze everything that ever happened to you and look that synchronicity. Why did that happen mm -hmm. to you? Because yeah. it was synchronistic yeah, that it yeah, happened yeah. to you. You were asking for it. Yeah. You know, you had invited it into your life. Yeah. You yeah. put yourself in that position. And and this this you know, leads into even uh, the Norse culture, you know, the idea of taking responsibility. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. before you do anything, but you know, the first thing you have to achieve is is personal responsibility. Yeah. Right. Um, and it, he goes on by saying, Well, that's um everyone's tendency even though we occasionally have a clear insight that um, something more is going on in life. Our habitual way of thinking is to consider that such ideas unknowable and then to shrug off the awareness altogether. And this is, this is that idea of like the, com the um, complex ignorance mm -hmm. that oh, yeah. something happens to you that's unknowable. So you just shrug it off and you say, I, I don't actually really want to know. I'm good. <laughs> Right, yeah. and, and and so you don't open yourself up, which is why I say to open yourself to synchronicities. Right? Yeah, and it's scary. Again, like you know, to some something... people, it's, <clears throat> that's why you said earlier, a lot of it is just fear based that keeps people locked into certain behaviors. Absolutely, behavior. absolutely. And again, I mean, you know, it's something that they safe before, but now going back to the dramas that I had in their um, 
childhood, looking mm-hmm. at the fear and really facing it and try to resolve these traumas will yeah. eventually dis- make that fear disappear. So it's always also a way for you to heal and using it as a sign. The, the, the other thing you said with the purpose that you know you don't believe in it in that it's not, way. It's not about believing in it. For, I, I, for I, you it's... But, but I have reasons for why I, I don't like that sentence, put it that way. Yeah, um, I, I, I think you can combine these things, you know, like what was the other saying the, that... The world has a spiritual design. Yeah, the spiritual design. I mean, maybe, you know, there is something like a destiny for everyone or like a spiritual design, but you still have free will, you know, you can still decide sure. on your own. And, but I think it's kind of built in with us that your purpose or you might, your, your life destiny or sure. Lebensaufgabe, how would you translate yeah, that? Yeah, so the, the reason to be. Yeah, ha, has something or, to do yeah. with what you like to do, you know, something that is rewarding to you in a way that brings you happiness, mm. that makes you feel good. So that eventually these things come together, even though you don't believe in having a purpose or a destiny, if you follow what you love, if you follow the things that you're good at mm-hmm. and that, that fulfill you, I think this is already it. Sure. Uh, but uh, like the, the reason why I don't like that sentence to begin with, it, it's because of the way that it implies uh, a singular intelligence. Right. Or, uh, uh, you know, and this is something that I, I, I never was a fan of in the sense that um, I think that reality is so much more complicated, but at the same time, it's very simple. And, we don't know and we don't and we cannot know uh, and so for me the idea of saying that the past present and future are extensions of each other it shows me that the past present and future are intertwined but at the same time your perception of it mm-hmm. is what creates it and and so what i'm really getting at is the reason why i don't like the idea of meaning and purpose of life and spiritual design is because it cheapens the ability for you to take that responsibility on for yourself to realize that you can be a part of something grandiose that's already there. All you yeah. got to do is walk into it and say, "Hey yeah, guys, yeah. I'm here." Yeah, yeah. Um, and true. so, for like, I can go more into that in the in in the further episode. But mm-hmm. like I said, I completely get what you're saying. It's more the issue with the way that the sentence is presented, in the sense that it it, it presents itself. In a way where it kind of leaves the, the the person thinking it doesn't matter anymore because it's already set for me, and and I and I don't like that. I, I like the idea that if I'm aware of how it's set, then I could then I can be a part of it willingly and um and and I can influence it. And I think that this is something that a lot of people like to put into discussion. Can you really influence it? Yeah. Or are, is what we call synchronicity just our ability to tie into past, present, and future at the same time because maybe they are the same thing and it's just in our mind that we create the the passing of time. So this is a, we're now getting into existentialism, which <laughs> becomes a larger topic. Yeah. And I can see it in your face that uh, the, the the clock is ticking and you need to lie on a piece of wood. <laughs> yeah, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. All right, guys. So this has been a great episode. Title, once more graduating kindergarten. Yeah, I really like this one. And I hope that you guys out there are ready yeah. to graduate from kindergarten yeah, and so go out into the world and connect to reality. Because yeah. this to me is one of the most important things I think we can um, strive for in our lives to go and become a part of reality and to not 
stick our head in the ground in the sand and 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 just build our own little world because the one around us is so disappointing. Yeah. The one around you, and this is actually where the uh, Celestine Prophecy leads to, is the last, the ninth insight is learning how to really, and I actually like the Christian version of it. Mm-hmm. It's funny. The Christian, so uh, the emerging culture is what uh, the title of the chapter is called, the ninth one. The Christians say, to create heaven on earth. And I really like that yeah, definition. Absolutely. The spiritual communities say fulfilling human destiny. <laughs> and I don't like that either because that, that 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 sounds a bit cheap in the sense that creating heaven on earth, I think is important to know that we can do that. Yeah, We can absolutely. all individually do that if, uh, if, if we choose to relate to it that way. Yeah, you, know? you can really live the life that you want if you, cr- you create it yourself and it's possible. That's right. Yeah. So nice. for all of you guys out there, we are live on yeah. Rockfin, Telegram, Twitch, and DLive in video version. On uh, We're also on kick.com. It's a new one we're, we're trying out. So I'm mm. going to keep my eye on it, as I mentioned in the past, see how it goes. Yeah. We're also in audio version only on Podbean, which is not going so well lately because I mentioned they have a couple bugs, which is really severely hindering how we can perform on that website. So mm. uh, we, uh, we, or that, that platform, so we're probably going to switch from there. And... Um, Twitch and DLive, we are known as smart home slow people because they don't like stupid people over there. <laughs> but in Kick uh, and in Rockfin, you can look at smart home stupid people. You can actually search smart home stupid people on Twitch and DLive and you'll find us anyway because it's always in the description anyhow. Um, in Telegram, find us on uh, our Telegram channel, which is smart home stupid people. Or if you just want to chat to us between shows and get notifications, smart home stupid chat is also yeah. there and it's linked through the channel. So good, it's a mouthful. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here with us tonight. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back next Sunday with another topic, just as enthralling as this one. And I think we're <laughs> going to continue with, uh, like I said, there are a couple of things I ended up skipping today. So we might actually do next week kind of an extension of this one. Yeah. Um, see where that goes. Hopefully pain-free. <laughs> yeah. So I hope you guys all, all right. choose to try and graduate from kindergarten. Until then, yeah. have yourselves a lovely day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.